You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. The feeding of the 5,000 is a really interesting thing because it's, uh, they've got pretty much nothing and Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Uh, well, I have nothing, uh, but Jesus says, give them something to eat, and there's not 5,000 of you, uh, so there will be basket loads left over afterwards. It's, it's really encouraging when the worship already anticipates what you're going to be talking about. I don't know, you can't imagine how excited it was, exciting for me to, hit, to sing Hosanna, because you all walked into a building today with the word salvation written in big letters, big red letters over the door. Hosanna means save us. Uh, a, a good way to think of singing Hosanna is with your hands up like this because you're like a child saying, help, <laughs> save me. And you all walked into a building today with that word right over the door. So I hope you're not going to go away disappointed because this is a building associated with salvation. Are are, are you saved? I I actually don't think that's a particularly helpful question uh, because um, it tends to lock everything down into a point in time. And that isn't quite the way that uh, the Bible speaks about salvation. It talks about salvation as something that has happened in the past, a long time ago, long before that you even came to be. Uh, It's something that is in the present. Uh, We are being saved. And it is something in the future. We will be saved. So I hope that your being here today will be part of that salvation And that should be your expectation. Not that you've arrived, but that you're on a journey of salvation. And this morning is just part of that journey. So open your eyes, open your ears, open your hearts. We've been singing all about that, haven't we? Hearts and eyes and ears. Peter prayed that as well. I just feel so, I mean, I've got to be very careful, just uh, speaking for way too long. Um, but we're going to do a little bit of Read, Mark, Learn this morning. If you haven't done Read, Mark, Learn and you'd like to do it, come and see me afterwards. I'm just going to pray the prayer that, we, that actually gave us the words Read, Mark, Learn. Uh, slightly old English, but... Blessed Lord, who has caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which thou hast given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. I don't know who said this. It feels like the sort of thing that Spurgeon would have said, but it's, church is not a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. Now, 
You may believe you're a saint, and that's, that's a positional thing. You may think that you've stopped being a sinner and you've become a saint, and that is a positional thing, and that can be true of the Christian. But John does say, doesn't he, that if we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. But he does say that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's get that little thing out of the way. But church is a place of salvation. Now salvation itself, the word save in the Bible, when we read it in Mark's Gospel, um, it's often interchangeable with the word healed. And we've already been talking a bit, haven't we, about eyes and seeing and ears and hearing. And we know that there's like a physical eye and a physical ear, but there's an internal seeing and perceiving and a hearing and an understanding. Um... And we've talked about hearts, haven't we? You have this thing going, ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. Do you know, in the United States, number one cause of death, apparently, is still heart disease. Um, but we're going to talk about a different kind of heart disease today, uh, because this is, after all, a hospital. And our goal here in this hospital is to send you out the door well and on the mend. So a heart Salvation. You see, um, a, 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 a woman comes to Jesus who's got this hemorrhaging disease. She's had it for 12 years. She's spent everything she, she has on many doctors. And not only does she not get better, she just gets worse. And at the end of her, his, her encounter with Jesus, he says, daughter, your faith has saved you or made you well or um, other instances, like Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, in Mark chapter 8. Your faith has made you well. Equally well translated, your faith has saved you. So we do pray for salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And this is nothing new. Um, in Mark chapter 12, we get a quote from the Old Testament from Jesus. Well, a a modified quote. One of the teachers of the law came and heard him debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear. I don't know if you've ever thought of that, is actually a commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Jesus adds, with all your mind, with all your strength. The book of Hebrews is a really important book, written to believers. Bear that in mind, right? It's written to believers with the aim that we should get to the end of our lives still believing, still living by faith. And the writer to the Hebrews says, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 days 
They saw what I did. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. But we're all Christians, aren't we? Maybe you don't call yourself a Christian. Well, don't harden your heart. But are you one who says that you follow the Lord Jesus, that you love the Lord Jesus? Well, this warning comes to us as well. Do not harden your heart. It's wonderful to express our worship, our heartfelt worship to God this morning. My heart will sing how great is our God. Well, let's keep it that way, shall we? So we're going to hear three sections from Mark's Gospel, uh, and I'm going to say some stuff, and I don't know where it goes from there, because this is how Read, Mark, Learn works. We hear the scripture, and then we think about it. So the first section I want you to, if you've got a, a gospel with you, or a uh, I've only got Mark's Gospel because that's all I need. Um, <laughs> no, I'm thoroughly equipped because of all of the scripture, as Paul says. But this morning, no surprise, it's Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 2, 1 to 17, and David Suchet is going to read it to us. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, Take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In Read, Mark, Learn, we quite often spend some time thinking about that last statement. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Now, I, I don't know if you noticed the, in that the Pharisees were there, or sorry, the teachers of the law were there in, in, when the guy was lowered through the roof. And Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts. Did, that, did, you, did you notice that? I'll tell you now that Jesus knows right now what you're thinking in your heart. I'd find that really scary. In fact, I do find that really scary. Because we can all smile at each other. Uh, but God knows what's going on in your heart. Now this statement of Jesus is actually a very gracious statement. He is trying gently to appeal to the Pharisees who don't like the company he keeps. Because on the face value of this, it's like, well, what else did you expect? I have come to bring salvation. The tax collectors and the sinners, the people, the collaborators with the Romans, and the notorious people, or even just the riffraff, you know they're sinners. Well, you shouldn't be at all surprised then, should you, that Jesus is spending time with such people. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Duh. But there's a, an implied question there, isn't it? Do you think you're righteous? Do you think you're well? Do you think you're healthy? Do you think you have no need of a doctor? You see, you won't ever find Jesus useful or helpful if you don't know that you have a problem. You won't find Jesus helpful, you won't find salvation if you won't admit you have a problem. A, a, a classic problem in our age, we see adverts for men and for women, it's like you find a lump, you find a bump, you go to the doctor straight away, you don't deny it. Because you need to act and you need to act now. Because if you hang around and don't go, it may be too late. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But are you in denial? Do you just, you know there's something wrong, but you're not going to do anything about it. It's just too much of an ask. Well, that's a form of hardness of heart. Now, when we talk about hardness of heart, I don't want you to think in terms of the hardness of heart that is Herod lopping the head off John the Baptist, which is what we read in Mark chapter 6. I don't even want you to think in terms of the Pharisees and how they and the Herodians want to go out at the beginning of just after the next chapter, verse 6 of the next chapter of Mark, they go out with the Herodians and they conspire together on the Sabbath, the day that they don't like Jesus healing people on, on the Sabbath they go out and conspire with the Herodians how to destroy, how to kill Jesus. I'm not even going to talk about that hardness of heart. You see, hardness of heart is probably a bit of a turn-off um, you think, I haven't got a hard heart like that. No, you haven't, hopefully. But later on in Mark, Jesus takes us and talks to us about children and says we're to be like children. Now, one of the nice things about children is they are naive 
and very believing and very accepting and they are uncomplicated. But you see, you've, you've all been brushing up against the world and it's been rubbing on you. It's a bit like rowing the boats, perhaps, that they were... We're well, going to hear about those in a minute. Um, you get calluses on your hands. You get thick skin that's protecting you from the roughness of the world. But the trouble with a callus is that it not only protects you, but it also makes you insensitive. And what Jesus is saying to us this morning is be careful that you don't become insensitive. A hard heart can start... In fact, the Bible talks about calloused hearts, and it's not like something that you've necessarily willfully fostered in your life. It's just what life has done to you. It's your condition. It's all of our conditions, if we're honest there can be hardness of heart. Just a a little bit insensitive to what God is doing and saying, a little bit of excusing ourselves over certain things, a little bit of, you know, I, I know I should go and meet with my friends down at church and encourage them and build them up and also be built up with them, but do you know what? I'm feeling a bit tired or the sun's really bright today. I think there's 101 other things I'd rather do. See, there can be that thick-skinnedness, but it's part of who we are. It's part of our condition. It's part of, it, it's something that we are warned in the book of Hebrews not to let our hearts become hard. Let's um, look at how this plays out a bit. Um, we're going to look first at the feeding of the 5,000 and um, what follows. And then we're going to look at the feeding of the 4,000 because you can never have too much feeding. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. I don't know about you, I I find that last verse really crazy. Really annoying, actually. It annoyed me for years. They were completely amazed, okay, yeah, you would be, for they had not understood about the loaves. What do you do with that? Uh, Their hearts were hardened. Interesting. There it is again, hearts 
hardened. They hadn't understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Well, surely now, with Jesus stepping in the boat, they would, would understand. Let's try it again. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanufa. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? Lots of boat trips in Mark's Gospel. Um, and it seems that they never make any progress. They're straining at the oars and they're going nowhere. Uh, I hope you noticed in both of those, Jesus has compassion. He feels things. He feels things and he does something with the things he feels. But they, I mean, they're, they're concerned. Uh, it wouldn't, you know, just think of the, the bad press we'd get if we got all these people to starve or collapse here. Let's, let's send them home or whatever. But Jesus says, no, I've got compassion. I'm going to do something about this. <laughs> you give them something to eat. And then the second time you'd think somebody would go, yeah, you know that thing you did <laughs> with the 5,000? There's only 4,000 this time, and we've got even more bread. This is going to be easy peasy. But no, 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 it doesn't work, does it? And, and just a, a little throwaway for you. If you've got the NLT, it'll actually say that the word for basket is different. So in the second feeding, it's a big basket. 
Uh, and if you want to find out more about that, come to Read, Mark, Learn. But it's probably the case that you could have fitted all 12 of the first baskets into one basket at the feeding of the 4,000. That is absolutely mind-blowing, isn't it? So the, it was really with brass knobs on or something. Um, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And of course, if we're, not, if we're not careful, we go, well, I don't understand what that means. Is there anything else? I've got to make a concordance. And we find a similar saying from Jesus in Luke's Gospel. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Well, it is, but that isn't what Mark means. Uh, different Gospel writers can report the same things and have different points, just as lots of people can get up and preach about this stuff and have different points. Uh, using the very same data as a starting point. Uh, but when Mark is talking about the yeast of the Pharisees, he's talking about hardness of heart. And the context says that and screams that at us. It's everywhere we look. And the issue in the boat is hardness of heart. And just to underline that, did you like the... I mean, you giggled, Pete. Um, I love, it's like the Sunday school quiz in the boat. It is pretty comic. In fact, it was preceded by something even funnier, which is they go on a boat trip, they arrive in the region of Dalmanutha, and there's, there's almost like a delegation of Pharisees arrive at the jetty and say, we want a sign. Jesus says, no sign today, gets back in the boat and off they go again. What a waste of a boat trip. Was, was it a waste of a boat trip or a car trip or a bike trip or a walk trip for you this morning? Is your hardness of heart demanding a sign when Jesus has already given plenty of signs? And does your hardness of heart not accept what Jesus wants to give you now? And look at the questions. This is the doctor. Remember? Mark chapter 2, that's at least... 15 minutes ago. The doctor. The healthy have no need of the doctor. Well, let's try the diagnostic. This is differential diagnosis. House. Do you still not see or understand? Well, let's put that to, to the test. Um, are your hearts hardened? That's a possibility. Do you have eyes but fail to see? and ears but fail to hear. We've been singing a lot about ears and eyes and hearts. And don't you remember? Now, a lot of people get very excited about numbers whenever they find them in the Bible, and I think there is significance to the numbers 12 and, and 7, and thousands of big numbers and all that sort of stuff. But the point with the Sunday school quiz in the boat is this diagnosis. Do you not remember. Let's try. When I fed 5,000 people with five loaves, how many basketfuls did you pick up? Twelve. Right? Those eyes were working. That memory is working. You've got the data. All right, this just, just one, more, one more time. When I broke seven loaves for 4,000, how many big baskets did you pick up? Seven. Well, you remember too. But the problem with that is, if they don't understand, 
go through that list, and the only thing that's left in the differential diagnosis is that your heart is hard. You might know lots of stuff. You might learn loads of theology. You might be really brilliant at philosophy. And biology. No, sorry. I uh, don't know much biology. Um, you might know loads of stuff. You might have seen lots of stuff. Have you seen amazing stuff? I saw a man whose eyes were open, a blind man whose eyes were open once. Have you seen stuff like that? Do you not remember? What's your problem today then? Why are you here? In the house of salvation. It's because your heart needs some, some work. It's always going to need some work. God is in the process of replacing hearts. Taking out hearts of stone and giving hearts of flesh. But it's a process. And I really know not a thing about where I'm going to go with this now. Except uh, Jesus is the one who can come to our rescue when we shout out to him to save us. We stand in judgment quite often over the disciples because we know the end from the beginning. We know how the story ends. Jesus goes to the cross. Yeah, sure he does. But then there's the resurrection. And if only they knew that, they would be like we, much better believers. But why do we have the Pharisees? Why do we have the disciples clueless with hard hearts? It's because um, we are prone to that. Jesus, one of, sorry, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples is going to get called Satan within a few verses. You don't have in mind the things of God, only human concerns. And so what I want to encourage you this morning is to keep seeking salvation. Watch out for hardness of heart. Go to the doctor and ask him to soften your heart. And keep coming, yes, keep coming and worshipping God with all your heart. How does Jesus save us? Very, very briefly. Uh, we'll let his enemies tell us. They crucified two rebels with him, one at his right and one at his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among, others, among themselves, saying, he saved others. but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. He saved others. He cannot save himself. That's how Jesus saves you. That's how Jesus saves me. That's the cure for a hard heart. Look at what Jesus has done to rescue you, to bring you healing, to bring you peace.
And we need that over and over again. The theme of heaven is worthy is the lamb that was slain. Never forget the cross. Come to the cross and find healing. He saved others, but in doing so, he could not save himself. It's so true. They were mocking him. This is what hardness of heart will get you to, if you let it. Oh, come down the cross, from the cross, so that we can see and believe. It doesn't, hardness of heart doesn't get much worse than that, does it? And at the very moment, they are saying those words. He is saving countless people. Now, we heard the, the words um, of the, the Lord's Supper twice already, and we're going to hear it one more time, because that's what we're going to do now. Uh, as bread and juice, and we are going to come and we're going to have communion with God, with each other, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to bring our broken hearts, our hardened hearts, we're going to ask him to soften them as we come and we eat and we drink. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it. This is my body. Did you notice those words when the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000? He took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and that's what we're connecting with now we pray give us this day our daily bread we need this bread every day we need the healing saving work of Jesus every day if ever I need you Jesus It's now. So come and eat. Then he took a cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, given for you, preserve your body and soul for eternal life. Eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your body and soul for eternal life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful. Let's do it.